Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. Pertec has teamed up again with the sport's biggest stakeholders to create the third annual Ultimate Bathurst Experience, with all proceeds going straight to the Peter Duncan Neurosciences Research Unit at St Vincent's Hospital. The winner and their guest will be treated as super VIP guests at the Repco Bathurst 1000 in October this year, with a number of behind-the-scenes experiences, all part of the major prize. The prize is not being auctioned, it's being raffled, giving everyone the chance to be involved with a limited number of tickets being offered at just $20 each. For a full list of prize inclusions and to buy your tickets for a chance to win this once-in-a-lifetime experience, visit ultimatemotorsportprize.com.au. A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, all put together by the great team at Pertec. The great ones, they're different. They really are. Not better, just different. Sure, there's a physical power, a mental strength, a complex but resolute constitution too. There's a whole lot more than just the measurables. That's something else, that intangible. It separates us from them. Welcome to the Legends series on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. He was the king of the schoolyard, signed by the Broncos in Year 7. Ask him, though, he's just a little battler, a little battler from country Queensland. The kid went on to do something pretty special. But who is Andrew McCulloch? Who is Andrew McCulloch? Um, Probably borderline, uh, I guess, ADD, borderline... um, Loyal mate, pretty yeah. loyal now. I've had nearly the same mate since I was six. It hasn't really changed too much. Um, wow. Pretty, I guess I'm pretty reserved in the fact that I, I the mates I've got, I, I sort of don't go out and talk a lot in a sense where if it's new people, I think my wife can back up for me. I'm not really, I yeah. don't really do that, which is just, um, something I probably need to work on. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's something... Yeah, it's a bit of a bit of mixture. I enjoy a good prank and a laugh, and, and but just keeping busy all the time. I'm not one for really laying around at home. I like doing things and feel like I'm accomplishing something for the day, or if I've trained or whatever. So, yeah, overall, country kid, townie, a townie. I'm not really country, but townie kid turned um, Brisbane, and it's good to good to live here now and build up, grow up a family. Speaking of country, tell us about Dalby, Queensland, and growing up in an area that is just footy mad. Yeah, crazy. It was just they love their league out there. Um, yeah, just went to Dalby Central as a, as a kid, and um, mum and dad still live out there. But um, played soccer till I was ten, and then Did you really? yeah, played soccer. Mum wanted me to at least get the hand eye stuff. Yep. That was always just do that first, and then go into the tackling because you were allowed to tackle still back yep. then. So I was ten, and then played. Uh, junior footy all for the Dolby Devils and yeah. just loved it. It was either rugby league winter and cricket um, summer. I love cricket. And then golf, I used to live up the road from a golf course. So I used to walk the clubs down and have a hit whenever and 
play golf all the time, um, which is good. So, uh, yeah, I, I loved it. I had a group of mates, about six who I'm good mates with till today. My wife um, says that's the only friends I've had because I've just kept the same friends yeah. since um, kindy. So I've got a couple of mates that I've known for, yeah, 28, 29 years. Yeah, you wouldn't swap that. No, nah, so that's yeah. that's pretty crazy really when you just kept the same friends through. We do trips away each year, things like that. So, yeah, yeah we're the same mates. Um, if we weren't training on Tuesday or Thursdays, it was – I don't know, practice goal kicking Wednesdays yeah. or whatever. It was never inside. Um, but, yeah, I certainly loved it. Then, um, yeah, Cyril Connell came along, I guess, um, when I was in grade seven, sort of scholarship from there. That's amazing. Because you'd only had a couple of years in league. Cyril Connell saw you, signed you to a scholarship, I think they termed it, at the Broncos for the schoolyard at lunchtime. That's a... Yeah, they used. Well, they used to come. uh, Mick Hancock, who I work with now, and Cyril, they came to my school and they actually presented it on stage. So I used to go up, and it was a thousand bucks, and yeah, but I wasn't worried about the money, obviously. But there's a pair of Nike boots that obviously the Broncos so sponsored. So that was that was nice, and and it was Mick that came. Yeah, so. Yeah, it was just one of those things, and I, I I appreciated it, and it just gave me a sense of all right, that's a start. But what did I need to do? Because I knew I wasn't at a school of excellence or whatever. Yeah. I just was there, so I had to train extra. I wasn't fast, I wasn't big or strong, so I had mm. to find out ways that I could do that I knew other kids um, weren't doing. So I did that, and then um, year twelve, I went to state high here in Brisbane, played a bit of union, so. <laughs> Always a hooker or back row at, at no, times? No, I was 5'8 all through school. Okay. So then I played the first three games at 5'8 for 2008 NYC competition. Yes. And hook, I'm not sure the story behind it, but I think hook or, you know, someone there at the club decided to move me. Obviously, I was slowing down, so they put me in it um, at hooker. And obviously, that was probably a good move too because I knew I wasn't going to play 5'8 at the Broncos with <laughs> Darren Lockyer yeah, there as well. Yeah. But then a hooker ended up being the best role, so I played one year of 20s and then rest is history, but, yeah, certainly loved Dolby. I love going home, some good, really, really good people, but the junior football out there is crazy. So. Yeah. What was your first footy breakout, perhaps the 07 schoolboys maybe? Was that when people started noticing? Um, I'm not too sure. Um, probably. Uh, obviously, I went to Australian schoolboys then from that. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, I just – it was never probably the best. There was always a few guys that I always thought yeah, they were going to go through and be yeah. the best players. But So there was always probably a bit like that. And Who were those names? I think Pat, Benny Jones was always going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Paddy Frey. Uh, yes. Jared Beal was probably in that boat. Benny Hunt's probably in that boat. Cyril loved him. So Benny was always obviously really good. So yeah. he was in that boat. And Josh McGuire sort of came along a little bit later. So those guys were sort of. They're like the lead sort of guys there for a while. And okay. Yeah. But, yeah, another fun fact, Chris Lynn was our halfback actually in the Queensland 12. So his honey was honey was six, um, Chris Lynn seven, and I was fullback. Founder really? 12. Yeah. Insanity. So, um, yeah. Benny Hunt, Kieran Foran, Kevin Proctor, Jared Croker, Jake Friend, all part of your Australian schoolboy squad. Yeah, decent crew there. Wow. Yeah, decent amount. I think our grades group was pretty de- pretty good, really, for what they've gone on to do. So Jared Croker's 300 there. Friend is a couple of comps. Uh, Honey's obviously 300. You know, Kevin Proctor, premiership winner. So, 
Yeah, some, some good lads there. Isn't there? Let's fast forward to your NRL debut, Saturday the 17th of May 2008 versus Cronulla at Cronulla. Were you calling that game? I think I was. You're off the bench. What stands yeah. out? It's just been one of those windy, wet Cronulla nights. Aren't they? <laughs> that, that wind picks up. Oh, yeah, I, you know, it's um, just I obviously wanted to just do a job and mm. um, Wayne just brought me off the bench for 15 minutes to didn't think I put a foot wrong and just did what I had to do. Um, but, yeah, just a wet night. Just wanted to make sure you didn't do anything Nervous, wrong. excited. Nervous, definitely nervous yeah. just being on the bus. Not sort of – the unknown's the hard part because you just – you obviously watch it but you don't know what to expect and you yep. see these big guys and I was just 18. So I think Brett Kamali actually kicked that field goal. So Really? Yeah, he won the game I think. But um, – yeah, that was right. And our second game, I think we golden point with Penrith and ended up tying that same year as well. So, Jeez. cool piece of history from memory. I reckon you were the first player born in the nineteen nineties to play first grade. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, I've been told that a few times. Yeah, yep. Yeah, just a little yeah. bit of history along the way. Yeah, I think I don't. I'm not sure how sort of was that year, but a lot of boys obviously the following year. Yeah, but um, yeah, not too sure. Just. It was out of the blue. I think Peter Wallace got caught into Origin and Wayne out. Didn't even tell me. Just said, um, "Andrew, you're playing." So wow. off. <laughs> even between then and now, 2008 to 2023, they didn't have all the the people in place and the systems in place to help a young bloke. In 2023, when a young guy debuts. There is all these people there within a football club to support him yeah. on and off the field. But back then, as you said, it was Wayne just saying, hey, mate, yeah. you're playing. Yeah, that's yeah. you're having a go. Because I was training with the squad. I didn't end of 2007, so I did the pre-season with the first grade boys. And But yep. I used to make sure a younger bloke, you didn't want to get in the way, so you sort of just put yourself out in the wing, out of sight, out of mind, yeah. so, and you just did that. That was sort of the way it – it rolled the older blokes were good, but they yeah you know, sort of didn't sort of had to sort of build your way up a little bit there with respect and all that type of yeah. thing. So it's probably changed a little bit now, showing my age a little bit. But you sort of were a bit quieter, and you just you didn't have a locker. You used to sit on the, the these benches in the middle, yeah. So you had to earn a locker as well. So that's changed a fair bit. So all those little things that I did yet to sort of get. Whereas now they probably And it was certainly like that at the Broncos and it was probably worse a couple of years before when uh I say it with respect, but yeah. Shane Webke and Andrew G yeah, made just, life unbearable yeah. for rookies. Yeah, I think the blokes obviously targeted certain guys. Obviously Josh I've been in the forwards too, was probably yeah. he was obviously my but those sort of guys had to sort of deal with that. You know, Tony yeah. Carroll was there. Yeah, um, Corey, Sam, you know, those sort of older older guys, Lockie, yep. you know, Hojo and Kay were there. Hojo was probably the extreme where he sort of, you know, you had to, I guess, earn it too, So, yeah. which is good. But, um, yeah, that's just you didn't say anything. You didn't get quiet. So yeah. It's um, changed a fair bit. But you hear some stories of guys now, their parents ringing up or emailing saying the boys are picking on me. Holy <laughs> hell, I'd never dare dream of doing that. You would have got your ass Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have come back to training. No. My mum definitely wouldn't have done that anyway. So. First three <laughs> games, only three games of 08. You started from the bench in one, at hooker in one, at half back in one. But I reckon the biggest buzz for you might have been game one the following year. So we're looking at 2009. 
and lining up in the same team as Darren Lockyer because the old fella had been around a while at this time. Mm. I reckon you probably idolised him as a kid. Yeah, it wasn't just him too. I think the other guys, yeah, definitely. Like, But he was definitely one you'd watch as a kid. Still remember going to Petro's debut, so I was lucky enough to play with Petro mm. later on. But, yeah, Lockie played with Mick Devere too. He played a couple of games that year. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Tony Carroll, Corey and those are a little bit younger than but those I've sort of seen so much of them already. So, yeah, yeah it's just a buzz being there and not to expect. Obviously, PJ and Aaron Goral were there at mm. the club, so I was coming off the bench there for a bit. Pertech has teamed up again with the sport's biggest stakeholders to create the third annual Ultimate Bathurst Experience, with all proceeds going straight to the Peter Duncan Neurosciences Research Unit at St Vincent's Hospital. The winner and their guest will be treated as super VIP guests at the Repco Bathurst 1000 in October this year, with a number of behind-the-scenes experiences, all part of the major prize. The prize is not being auctioned, it's being raffled, giving everyone the chance to be involved with a limited number of tickets being offered at just $20 each. For a full list of prize inclusions and to buy your tickets for a chance to win this once-in-a-lifetime experience, visit ultimatemotorsportprize.com.au. A a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, all put together by the great team at Pertec. I mean, if maybe six or seven or ten games, whatever it was, they put me in this hooker and sort of played 80 minutes the rest of the year there. So, <laughs> wow, it was a yeah, did different. <laughs> a terrific first full season up until the prelim final. Melbourne got you guys, it was an ugly one. They'd go on to win the premiership, mm. but a big first year. Um, even as a young bloke, do you get to the chance at the end of the first year to look back, assess? where it was good, where it was bad, and what needs big work in the off-season? Yeah, I think as a young guy, you just get you just go with it because you think, how good is this? You just yeah. enjoy it for what it is. So I never really sat back and assessed what I needed to do, which is probably a bit of an issue for me the, the second year they talk about. Um, I just enjoyed it for what it was. I just went out whenever the boys were out. I just just loved it because I knew, like, this yeah. is a dream. So, And the thing was then, too, like, there was no – like five day turnarounds or any of that. Yeah. So if we played Sunday, there it was used to be. There used to be something on all the time, and everyone used to always go. It didn't matter if you Sunday and backed up Friday. Yep. It was just a. It was just a, a normal. Yeah. Um. So that was. I just went along. Just loved it because it was a dream, and I was just playing. It was not easy, but it, it was just in a dream that I was like so excited, yeah. and the body was obviously fre- uh, fresh and no yeah. no dramas. But that changes. Quickly, and you have to reassess. But that first year, I just enjoyed it for what it was. Because Ben, you think about it, nineteen year old playing it, then just playing the yeah. year. Um, yeah, you get some good life lessons on and off the field. So. <laughs> we'll keep it on the yeah. field for the moment for you. Uh, prelim finals in nine and eleven. A couple of qualifying finals in there too. Then along comes twenty fifteen. Yeah. What do you recall of the night? Tackle five. This is the last. It's bounced away to Thurston. Comes up Blair. Got rid of Blair. Pushes away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Gets the ball. And Felt. Felt has scored. Felt has scored in the 
corner. Look at the box. <laughs> it's a try. Well, if you don't believe in fairy tales, we might see the giant fairy tale of all time. Here right now with Thurston, a kick from the sideline to win a premiership for the Cowboy. Can he do it? It looks to me as Oz taking the steelwork. What else can this grand final provide? Wow. The most dramatic grand final that I can remember. So, from right to left, the Cowboys... Oh! oh. Oh, Hunter's no. knocked on. <sighs> the first grand final golden point. Thurston to choose from with Coot. He hits it. He's yes! got it. He's got the field goal. He's got the premiership. He has gone from a captain to a legend and probably rugby league immortality. I just remember I thought he was going to kick it, eh? I just thought this guy's yeah. obviously scored in the corner. Um, and it's the most frequently asked question I get wherever I go. Um, but, yeah, I just had a gut feeling. I thought he was going to kick it. It was just dead silent. Yeah. Then when he kicked it, I didn't hear the ting of the, the post. But, yeah, it just shouldn't have got to that um, stage to begin with. You know, look back now, I think most of us in the team sort of had a bit of a crucial area at certain times. If you look back through, um, that just comes either defensive reads or – Passing, you should have passed or whatever. So you know it was a group thing, and we've had to re re rewatched it the following year. So Wayne put it to bed after we re re rewatched it. That was my next question because so many guys do not ever watch a losing grand final. On no, he just uh, bed and buried. It shouldn't have got to where it is. You lose games. That's hey, that's that's life. Mm. Um, things happen like that. That won't be the last one. Mm. So. Um, yeah, obviously I was on the wrong side of it, but um, 16 other guys as well and, that, you know, a big club performance. But, yeah, we were just red hot that year pretty much the whole way through and that's what happened still. So, yeah, um, yeah you just never know what's around the corner. Everyone hurt. No one more than your great mate or best mate, Benny Hunt. How tough was it on him that night and how tough was it for you guys as his great mates seeing what he was going through? Yeah, like I said, I shouldn't have got to that point to begin with. And, um, yeah, oh, I didn't really – like, for me, I knew he obviously did it tough, but I didn't really thought about it. My sense is because I've been around long enough that they shouldn't have got to that period anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, everyone's, everyone's um, quick to judge. And, and now a lot of people forget the hard times that people go through in yeah. professional sport. Now it's all – Roses and happy as Larry, so you, you know, and it's a good lesson too for kids because it's it's up and down. Like all, any half that's comes through is going to make big mistakes, and it's on them, and that's just the way it is. But the way to come back from that—that's when mm. you should have the making of a of a player and to get back up and get on with things and fight and, and assess where it is. That's what the caliber of a good player can do, and you certainly did that. But yeah, he was um, some tough times there. Yeah. He's a resilient kid, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, wow. and he is. He probably gets that from his uh, dad or mum, probably. Yeah. So yeah, he's um, just to fight back. More proud of him how he gets back from those sort of situations where it's easy to take pot shots, but no one's ever out there playing. And mm. for instance, it shouldn't have got to that period because, like I said, there's um, plenty of other mistakes to even get there that were probably just the same, you know. Yeah. So, speaking of pot shots, you might be able to answer me this: 
and in regards to Ben um, and anyone that's earning massive dollars. Mm. And you've been down at the Dragons and so many critics, media fans have said, oh, he's not performing like a $1.3 yeah. million player. And he's getting blamed for his wage. Yeah. If someone throws a contract in front of me worth <laughs> 1.3 yeah. and you take it, yeah. shouldn't the bloke to be questioned, it should be the guy that handed you the contract. Yeah. Well, um, a lot of people don't. What has been copper? Oh, it's just the nature of the beast. I think it just changes easier if, to say that when you're getting that money compared to someone who's on 200 or 300 yeah. or 400. But like any, like you go to any any job in society and they give you A option or B option and they give you this, what person's not going to take their initial, 100%. you know? So, hey, that's that's just comes with the territory and obviously you're meant to be winning those games, but you also you're part of an environment where – Sometimes what you're around is not obviously keeping up with everything else, so you're going to take mm. the brunt of a lot of those probably, I guess, um, criticism. But if you're playing the best footy and doing the best you can and the effort's there, it's, I think people more get pissed off as you know a player on a good whack of money is not trying or not running the ball and not making tackles. Yeah. You know, you, you see it now. Like if he's on a good pay packet, you want him just making a crack. Or they get it wrong, that's that's fine. Like, yep. but. Just have a crack doing it, like have, put some effort in. And no feel one would like, say Ben Hunt has not you say, You can just say there, but you yeah. go across the whole NRL and the guy's on big money, you see, like, oh, that's what they get pissed off about. Yep. So I'd rather make a thousand flakes having a crack than someone just sort of sits back and. 100%. So. Mate, I've gotten to know you better over the last couple of years. You're a top shelf sledger, but you present as the nice guy, um, <laughs> you're pulling wool over eyes, yeah. basically. Uh, as a player, you establish quickly and consistently a reputation as a guy that others wanted to play with, a guy that others trusted. That, for me anyway, is the ultimate compliment. Mm. Something you're proud of? Yeah, definitely. I just just want to be the bloke that the boys want to be around or they they, they love playing with because you knew how to crack it. Getting himself right, even if he was banged up, he was still out there. Yep. Um, that's playing football, still going back out. You're never going to be 100%. So anyone that says you're 100%, that's a lie because it's too hard to be. Yeah. Um, and then off the field, I just enjoyed it because why else put your body through and being that mm. team morale? And, you know, I just wanted to leave a lasting impression at some of the clubs or the boys I was with to say, yeah, he put on the field and you know, he had a good time off it as well. And that was a good balance of what I tried to. It's hard to do because it's too serious sometimes and sometimes you get too much criticism you need to just make sure you relax and enjoy it because that's the reason why you did it in the first place. Can you fall out of love with it Yeah, at, I did. at different times? I think I did in 2019. Yeah. Um, after we just uh, sort of had a bit up and down the year, yeah, that year with 2019 and then we got towed up by Parramatta at, um, in the final. Yeah. In 2023, this is what you can expect from Unfiltered. The Legend Series starts your working week, featuring interviews with some of the game's finest, in-depth and personal. We talk footy and life in a subtle mix you can't or won't hear anywhere else. On Thursday, the Rugby League Superpod returns. 12 different player interviews every single episode. It's fast-paced, and if you like a laugh with your footy, this is for you. It's the weekly show you can't miss. Then on Saturday, it's Dream Team time. 
Who would you name in your best ever 13? We ask that question to players past and present. We don't always agree, but that's what it's about. The ultimate argument starter. Who is the best 13 ever? Be sure to follow us on social media to keep up to date on who's coming onto the podcast. We're all over Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Andy Raymond. Or you can check out the website, andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. Before you go, do a mate a favour and when you're done here, leave a five-star rating and write a quick review for us on the podcast app you're listening on. In terms of business, it's huge for us and it allows us to keep creating the content you love for free. Make sure you come back soon, legends.